book of Proverbs tonight will be in Proverbs chapter number uh, 14 to begin with. Proverbs chapter number, actually Proverbs chapter number 12 is where we'll start tonight. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 12. And we look forward to what God has for us uh, this evening. While you're finding the book of Proverbs, let me once again remind you uh, of the weekend and let's continue to be faithful. Uh, be in our place, invite somebody to be here with you. And on Sunday, uh, I want to thank the Lord every week this uh, year. We've had visitors, multiple visitors, and uh, the Lord has just added to the church, and that's uh, based off of our efforts and our faithfulness to invite people. Uh, but if you uh, encounter somebody on, somebody, uh, on Sunday that you don't know, uh, introduce yourself, be friendly, make them feel at home. If they sit down next to you, that might just be God saying uh, He wants you uh, to make them feel comfortable, uh, at least until the preaching gets up, and then they might be uncomfortable. I don't know. Uh, but uh, let's look forward to a, a good day this coming uh, Sunday. Proverbs chapter number 12. We're going to read uh, one verse from chapter 12, one verse from chapter 13, and then one verse from chapter 14 and uh, see what the Lord has for us as we're talking about the people of Proverbs because it has been a few weeks. Let me just remind you, uh, this Bible study, uh, we are taking a individual, a type of a person uh, that uh, Solomon writes about in the book of Proverbs. And if it's a, a person that uh, we should be like, we ought to look at, be able to look at the Scripture and look at what the Bible says about them so that we can take those truths and those principles and adopt them in our life and uh, so then we can have the same success that that individual has. Uh, on the other end of that spectrum are those that the Bible warns us about. Uh, the fool, the scorner, uh, the simple, all of those, we need to be wary of them and find out what makes a fool a fool, what, what makes a scorner a scorner, what makes the unwise the unwise so that we can be warned and avoid those things. And so tonight we'll look at another character as we look at Proverbs chapter number 12. Look at me in verse number 2. A good man obtained the favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Chapter 13, verse 22, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Chapter 14 and verse 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Now, if you're paying attention, you can probably figure out uh, the character that we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. Tonight we're going to be dealing with the good man. We're going to look at the good man, see what God says about the good man. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. May your truths uh, be real, be evident to us. May we adopt these things into our life. Uh, Father, may we be reminded once again this evening uh, that results are, simply come from decisions that we make. Uh, there are decisions that will uh, affect the future our future, the future of others. Uh, may we be wise in those decisions. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look in our text tonight in these three verses, uh, we find a good man. Uh, the Bible calls a man a good man. Uh, not a, not, it's more than just describing a man that has some good traits. Uh, this is being addressed to a good man. Uh, it is being described a good man. And so let's define a good man uh, as the book of Proverbs does. Because as you know, uh, the Bible tells us that there's none good. 
our, our, our goodness is as, as filthy rags. Our righteousness does not compare to God. So the Bible says there's, a, there's some positive things about a good man. So we need to define what God is saying when, when he talks about a good man. A good man, as we see uh, in the book of Proverbs, is designated by God. Now, it is God that is saying this is a good man. We are adept at calling ourselves good, aren't we? Or, you know, we have an opinion of somebody. Well, they're a good man. There's not necessarily anything wrong with having that high of an opinion of somebody. But it's different when God says that's a good man. That's somebody who he considers a good man. Like we talked about in the past. Remember the messages I preached on Job? God's high opinion of Job. One thing for the brethren to have a high opinion of you, it's a whole other thing for God to have a high opinion. So God is marking an individual as a good man. A good man obtained a favor, okay? A good man, as we see in the book of Proverbs, is designated by God due to his manner of living, conduct of others, mercy, justice, charity, and doing of good. Now, what this world calls good may not be what God calls good. Let me take that a step further. What many Christians call good may not even be what God calls good. Because God puts a premium on the things that I just described. It's designated by, by God due to our conversation, meaning our manner of living, our conduct with others, our relationships with each other. It's a Bible study for another day, but God takes careful note of the relationships we have with each other. Certainly, there's, there's the, the marriage relationship, there's the, the, the parent-child relationship, uh, but there's the friend relationship, there's the relationship inside the church, there's the relationship with the stranger, there's even the relationship with, with the unsaved. There's the relationship with those who are, who are out of fellowship with God. There's relationships with those who are our enemies. If we have the proper approach to relationships, that pleases God. And that's one of the markers in, in, in the mind of God of a good man, how you treat other people. Mercy, justice. Charity in doing of good. Now, it's important to know, it is not salvation by goodness, but an acknowledgement by God of good works. Our good works cannot save us, but because we're saved, we should have good works. It is true, if you're a child of God, there ought to be something different about you. We think of our manner of living and our whole, and the holy life and, and not participating in the things of this world, but, but there's more to it than just that. There's a lot of people who have very, very high standards, but they treat people like garbage. God does not look at that individual and say, they're a good man. Because God puts a premium on our manner of living, the way we treat people. Are we, are we treat people with mercy and justice and charity? And the doing of good. It is not salvation by goodness, but an acknowledgement by God of good works. I hope that you and I would all have a desire for God to look at our life and say, that's a good man. That's a good woman. That's a good person. That's a good Christian. 
Why would he look at good? Because of the way we treat people, all these things I listed. Um, it is something that we should desire. Now, we're going to look at these three places that Proverbs speaks of a good man. And I have several statements I want to make about a good man. Are you with me tonight? Are you awake? I know summer's winding down, it's hot outside, uh, but I want you to give me your attention tonight as we think of this good man and how God looks at a good man, so automatically you ought to have our attention. If God labels somebody a good man, let's see why, and let's, 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 let's grab a hold of those things, let's make changes we need to change so that God would consider me a good, to think that God would consider us good, to think that God would be pleased with our living. Now, God looks at us, if you're saved tonight, how many of you are saved tonight? God looks at us and sees the record of Christ. So he sees us as good in that respect. But the doing of good, God blesses that. Let's see what, what the Lord says about these things. Number one, as we see in chapter 12, verse 2, A good man obtaineth, obtaineth favor of a Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Number one, a good man seeks and obtains God's favor. I think it would be safe to say that nobody becomes a good man in the mind of God without first seeking to be one. And I don't necessarily mean that, but that's, I want somebody, I want people to think I'm a good man. No, it's, it's putting you that aside and say, I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to be honored by my life. I don't care what anybody, we say that, I don't care what anybody thinks, but, but then we're careful what we post on Instagram. I don't care what anybody thinks, but oh, aren't we careful what, what everybody thinks. We had to get to the place where we say, if God is pleased with me, then it doesn't matter if anybody else is pleased with me. I want to seek to please God. I would say nobody would ever get to that place where God says, a good man until we first desire to seek God in a way where we want him to be pleased with everything we do. That's why this relationship that I have, I want him to be pleased with it. How I treat somebody who wrongs me is not a matter of what I can get away with. It's, is God going to be pleased with my reaction? Uh, the, the, the mercy I could bestow on somebody else, the grace I could show, it's not a matter of whether anybody else acknowledges it. God knows it. And if I do things the way God would be pleased with, that's seeking His favor. A good man seeks, but he also obtains. There's a lot of men that in their mind or they start out saying, I want God to be pleased. And then when they get out of the church parking lot, that's out the window. I want God to be pleased with my life. If you really want him to be pleased with your life, you can obtain that. If you want that, we, 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 we slander God so many times we don't even know it. I really want God to be happy with me. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know why I haven't found God's favor. I really want his favor. Well, I would submit to you that my God says over and over in his word that if you really want his favor, you can have his favor. So if we are seeking God's favor and we don't have it, there's a problem. I would submit the problem is probably on our end, not on God's end. Now, one of the issues is, is how we define favor. may not be how God defines favor, but a good man seeks and obtains God's favor. How does a good man seek and obtain God's favor? Through prayer. Through prayer. You know what? 
Think about the favor of God to hear your request and grant it. I don't know why, you know, little Johnny, he got this privilege and, 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 and our siblings are like, why did you get that? Well, I asked. Why didn't you ask? Well, I just didn't want to ask. Well, if you ask and other percentages higher or lower that you're going to get what you asked for. We, if we really want God's favor, we can have it through prayer. We have his favor by inviting his promised blessings. Do you know there's nobody in this room that's an exemption from God blessing? He tells us how to be blessed. He tells us how to have our needs met. And, and we can have his favor if we seek it. But what we fall into, tra- we fall in this trap many times is we seek the favor of man. We seek the favor of others. We seek the favor of this world. when We ought to be seeking the favor of God by being obedient to his word and his commands. So number one, a good man seeks and obtains God's favor. Number two. A good man receives different treatment from God than the wicked man. Notice verse 2 again. We see a good man obtain the favor of the Lord, but a, wick, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Now, this isn't rocket science tonight. I, I hope everybody's with me. I hope, I hope we can figure this out. A good man receives different treatment from God than the wicked man. Now, we've got to stop doing this. You have somebody who, they're not, nobody's perfect, but to the best of their ability, as they're bound in flesh, they try and live to please God. They try and do the things that honor Him. They make the right decisions. They do the right things. And then there's the one that says, I'll do what I want to do. I'll go the way I want to go. And then five, ten years down the line, we find out the result's not the same. Now, you and I, we got to stay out of the evening it up business. Well, you know, well, well, I got to make sure that they know that everything is okay. Everything's not okay when you turn your back on God. And I, I point this out because if you're not careful, you can get mad and bitter at God because he treats the wicked, he treats those who've left the things of God differently than he treats those in their failure and their imperfection, try their best to follow what God. He treats them differently. A good man receives treatment from God, different treatment from God than the wicked man. Now, this is, this is very simple for you and I tonight. This is something that you and I, uh, and by the way, you kids that sit over, how many of you got siblings? Those are, that's either a brother or sister, okay? Every one of you, young men, young ladies, the children in the crowd, you need to determine to do right with your life and serve God. And don't chase this world. But if you have siblings that choose to do right and you decide to do wrong, I'm going to say this publicly, mom and dad should not treat you the same. And you may disagree with me, but somebody who serves God with their life, they ought to get the inheritance above somebody who doesn't serve God with their life. Now, that's the way God does it. 
No, I'm not saying God scratches somebody's eternity out. But God certainly blesses in ways that He doesn't those that turn their back on God. Uh, why? Because God, a good man, receives different treatment from God than the wicked man. Now, I'll move on to number three, just in case somebody's uncomfortable. Now, really, because I just need to move on to number three. But think with me for a moment. Would you rather receive good treatment from God because you've tried to please Him or the treatment that a wicked man would receive? Because this Bible tells us if we belong to Him, He's going to chastise us to try and get us to turn away. He's going to chastise us to try and get us back to Him. I'd rather receive favor than chastisement. So we have a choice. Do I live my life to please God or live my life at the extent to the wicked devices that are available to me? Number three, let's look at chapter 13, verse 22 again. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Number three, a good man leaves behind something worth having. Notice a good man leaveth an inheritance. What it, that inheritance, hopefully, is it debt? You know, what'd your parents leave you? A whole bunch of debt. Uh, no, that inheritance, we speak, look at that and we speak of that as something worth having. Now, we look at that word inheritance, and I think we can make two applications, and I will make two applications tonight. I think there's a temporal inheritance and there's an eternal inheritance inheritance. There's nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, the Bible is speaking of it here. There is something to leaving something behind, not just to your children, but so that your children's children have an inheritance. There's, there, there's something to that. That does not mean that you sacrifice that which is good so that you can leave a bunch of money with zeros. Now, let me just throw this in since we're talking about an inheritance. You got to leave your church an inheritance too, by the way. Just throw that in. That ought to be in your will, not the debt part, but it ought to be in your will as well. I'll just throw that out there. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Uh, there's something to that. Now, I don't think you ought to sacrifice. I, I think it's better... Dad, for you to spend time with your children than to work three jobs so that you can leave more of an inheritance. Because your kids would rather have you than your money you leave them one day. So that's just something that, just to clarify. But the Bible does teach that you ought to have something to leave behind. Now, and let me just say a practical way of doing that is get some life insurance. You didn't know this was going to turn into a Dave Ramsey seminar, did you? <laughs> you got to have life insurance. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of an inheritance, but except for the fact that I have a lot of life insurance, I shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> My wife has asked me how much life. I have not told her how much I have. My children ask me way too often how much life insurance I have. I have a lot of life insurance. 
why? Because I want to make sure that, you know, if, if something happened to me, my wife will be taken care of, but my children, and I'd leave some for my children's children. That's, an, that's a temporal, that's a, that's, a, that's a tangible inheritance. But there's also an eternal or a spiritual inheritance. One of the greatest things you can leave your children is the fact that when you're gone, they know where you are. And when I say they know where you are, they know you're with the Lord. That's the greatest thing that you can leave for an inheritance. You can leave a spiritual inheritance with the heritage that you have and that you've passed on. But a good man leaves behind something worth having. I believe the old-time religion is something worth having. That's something that should be left behind. Now, the children and the children's children can reject to take it. They don't have to take it. But you ought to still leave it. The Bible says the good man leaves it. The good man leaves something worth having. Statement number four that goes with this same verse. A good man is not selfish and considers others. A good man is not selfish and considers others. We see that a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Now, used to, I know bumper stickers aren't as popular nowadays, but there used to be that bumper sticker, and if you, if you had one on there, don't take this personally. It shows your age anyway, but you know, it says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. You know, we laugh at that's funny, but I was like, oh, look at that, I said, what a jerk. <laughs> you know, um, that's, I, I get the context of you can, you can ruin a generation who's entitled, who hasn't earned anything. But, you know, when you have that bumper sticker on, a, on, a, on an old Pinto, I don't think you're spending your children's inheritance. I'm just going to go out on a limb there. That's not the situation. The point I'm making is a good man is not selfish and considers others. There's something that I want to leave behind. There's something that I want my children to know and have. There's something I want the grandchildren to know and have. They're not selfish. We live in a day of instant gratification. We live in a day of, I want it now, and I got to have it. We don't consider anybody else. I'll tell you why. There's, there's a lot of churches, you see all these poles, they're, they're dying and they're just drying up. And it all comes down to, we're not obeying what the Bible says when it comes to considering other people. There's a lot of churches, and you look, and it's all older people, and when they die, the church is gone. You know why? Because they've made no consideration for the generations coming behind them. And we have to reach that generation behind us, but in the context of this, it is somebody who's not selfish and considers others. Number five, a good man works to benefit those who come behind him. Now, another way of saying this is he, he finds his motivation in those coming behind him. A good man, let me put an emphasis on that word, works. Not just to meet his own needs, but to leave something for those behind. They work a little harder or work a little longer, so yes, they can fulfill what they have, but they leave something behind. Let me put it in context 
of a church tonight. We can leave something behind. Say, well, I've done, I've, I've done my responsibility. I've done my. Well, if we work a little harder, work a little longer, give a little more, pray a little more, uh, invite a little bit, uh, a few more people, uh, then we might have a little bit more to leave behind to another generation. The truth of the matter is, the way God has blessed us for our faithfulness and for our desire to please Him, if we stopped and started coasting right now, I believe what God has given us would last through our lifetime. We've got a good church. We enjoy what God has given us. But we've got to keep working. Why? Because there's some coming behind us. They've got to have something. The same is true in... In, in your relationship with your family, relationship with others. And certainly God says a good man, somebody who is right in their relationships, right in how they treat people, right in their manner of living, one of the characteristics, one of the ways you know that is because they work to benefit somebody else, work to benefit somebody who comes behind them. It's something I've noticed, and, and certainly it's on my mind with our school starting uh, another school year. I remember when I was, before I became the pastor, when I was the basketball coach, and uh, there were years when, when I would have easy time scheduling and getting, getting more games than we could play. And then time would progress, and there was about a five-year window like that where what well, was good competition, a lot of schools, this and that, and all of a sudden, it just dropped off. Same schools. Same people, same athletic director, same pastor, same coach. What happened? Then one day I put it all together, and I'm going to make a point with this. The principal, the athletic director, the coach, the teachers, all their kids graduated. And then they didn't care anymore. You saw the schools start to decline. And I can name schools to you today that don't even exist. And I would tie it to they didn't care anymore because it was there to provide the benefit to their kids. Why do we need to work at this anymore? Why do we need to sacrifice anymore? Why do we need to uh, uh, make the effort? I mean, after all, uh, you, know, you know, we got other things that we can do. That's just one illustration of the fact that a good man says, there's somebody coming behind me that's going to benefit. I need to work so that they have it. Uh, they, they live for those who come behind them. Number six, same verse, verse 22. A good man does not live for instant gratification, but delayed satisfaction in the future. A good man does not live for instant gratification, but delayed satisfaction in the future. That's what happens when you leave an inheritance for your children's children. You don't do that with always living with instant satisfaction. This is something we have to be reminded as a church. A lot of the decisions we make and what we do and what we put our time, energy, uh, our treasure in, our efforts into is not just for today, it's for a long-term future. Uh, and just, I think you know this, but just, just to remind you, I'm thinking long-term for our church and our ministry. I want to build a foundation that the Lord takes all of us home, that foundation is still there, and this ministry can keep moving forward. That, that's, that's trying to, that's delaying some gratification 
for future satisfaction. You know, the, the day is going to come when these buildings are built. And you and I may say, well, I thought our children would get to enjoy some of these things, but they didn't. Do you think we're going to get any less joy out of seeing a bunch of other kids running around in those buildings? We shouldn't. You have to delay some instant gratification. You work hard and you get to that retirement age and you see those, you have your children, you have your grandchildren, you know what you have left behind for them. The same is true spiritually speaking as well. Everybody in here has been faced with opportunity to quit. I'm not just talking about today. I'm just talking about in, in all of our Christian life. We've had the opportunity to quit on God, to quit being faithful. Well, when you, when, you, when you hang in there long enough to see what's coming behind you and have something, I may not have everything this world has to offer, but my grandkids are going to know that their grand, grand, grandfather, their grandmother was faithful all the way to the end. My children one day will look at that casket and they'll know that, that their parent wasn't a quitter on God. That's something to hand down that this world cannot put a price tag on. But if we live in a day of instant gratification, uh, we're not going to have that satisfaction in the future. Number seven, we look at chapter 14, verse 14. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied from himself. I've got two more statements tonight from this verse. Number seven, a good man is not consumed nor led by his own desires. This, the backslider in heart is filled with his own ways. But a good man's not. A good man is not consumed by what he desires. A good man is not led by his own desires. Friend, you and I have to be careful not to be led by what we want. You know, and it's, it's completely dishonest. And we do this as Christians to say, you know, take what we want and say it's what God wants. God tells us what he wants. God don't need you and I to flower it up, fix it up, try and make it look good. God said, this is what I want. This is what pleases me. This is what I'm to do. A good man is not consumed or led by his own desires. By the way, a backslider in heart, one who operates by his own ways, is a carnal person, is led by his flesh. Now, there's only... Two, there's, there's two alternatives. There's two choices we have to make. There's, there, there's being led by the flesh and led by the Spirit. Now, maybe you could point it out to me. I've never seen another option there. We're going to be led by our flesh or we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. A good man is led by the Spirit of God and not by his own desires. Well, you know, and I'm so weary of hearing this, and I, and, I, and I don't necessarily hear this in our young people, but from time to time you hear it, you hear it from, 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 from other places, and you have friends and their kids and all that. It's like, well, this is what I want to do in my life. So? This is what I, what I want to do. And sometimes it's like, well, I can't wait 
I hear, I hear young men say this sometimes. I, well, I can't wait till I get out of the house and I, I get my own family and then I can do what I want to do. I've been married, I don't forget how many years I've been married, 28 years, and I'm waiting for that time to come when I get to do whatever I want to do. I'm flying out in the morning. I'm preaching in northern Kentucky the next two days. I'll fly back Saturday morning. I was This afternoon, I told my wife, I said, I, I land on Saturday about 1230. Do you want to pick me up? And she said, yeah, I'll pick you up. Then we can go out to eat. And you can t- she just out, No, that's not how she said it. She said, then you can take me to lunch. And so a little bit later, she comes back this afternoon, and she says, now, when I, when I pick you up, we can go either here or here. And if it's about you, we'll go here. If it's about me, we'll go here. <laughs> True story. So I will, be, I will be eating lunch at P.F. Chang's on Saturday, so you can figure out wh- who, who, who it's all about. But anyway, um, it's not always about you and I. It shouldn't always be about you and I. It's about other people. A good man is not consumed or led by his own desires. God gave his own son to pay our sin debt that we deserve to pay. We should pay. But out of the love of God that you and I truly were thankful for, but we truly can't understand, he gave. He wasn't selfish. And so he looks at a good man, one who he puts his stamp of approval on, if you will, is not consumed or led by his own desires. Number eight. A good man is happy and content to depend on God. Notice, notice what the Bible says. It talks about the backslider, and we'll talk about the backslider another night. A, we have the, a backslider is filled with his own ways. It's all about him. It's all about what he wants. It's all about what the, the pastor said to him. It's all about what his parents won't let him do. It's all about he's filled with his own ways. A good man, man shall be satisfied from himself. A good man is happy and content to depend on God, not himself. Think about how it must please God when a child of his doesn't try and logic things out, but says, what, what does God say? I don't understand it, but this is what God says. I'm happy to just trust God. I just don't think I can go through life that naive. Well, then God might never consider you a good man then. Somebody who is just content. The Bible tells us, trust not in thy own heart, lean not in thy own understanding. A good man shall be satisfied. You know what it means to be satisfied? It means to be full. It means to be um, have, have those needs met, means to have no additional desires. Uh, you are satisfied. I'm, I'm done. I could stop right here. We could end this here, and I would, I would not have any more desires with, with whatever subject you're talking about. A good man is just content and satisfied, just to depend on God. What does God want? What does God have for me today? What does God have for my life? What does God have for my family? What, is, what does God have for my church? 
what can I do to please God today? Well, you, you ought to, and, and please, parents, that sometimes this comes out of a, I have to be careful how I say this, I, I, what comes to mind is, is, is maybe out of sincerity or a good place, but it's very damaging advice for young people to figure out what you want to do. We should push our children to find out what God wants for them to do. It's a dangerous thing because a good man is just... Con- well, I want them to have, have more aspirations and be careful of this when you have a, an individual who has some talent, has some ability. We don't say this, but we do say it with our actions. Well, well my child can't just be a missionary. He's got talent. He's got too, they've got too good of a mind just to settle for this. They need to try and go do this. You know, with that mindset, it's like, I'm glad my pastor's an idiot. He couldn't achieve anything else in his life, so he just decided to be a, a preacher. Exactly. That's the bad time to say exactly. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but sometimes you, you get the point I'm making. A good man is just satisfied. What does God want? You know, I'll turn. I don't know why I keep reminding you all this recently. I think it's because I'm depressed. I'll turn 50 on my next birthday. So I've lived long enough. I'm going to finish that. I don't, I'm not having to just live long enough. I've lived long enough. I've got enough. I mean, I've got. Big dreams and aspirations ahead of me. But I've lived long enough to look back and say, man, I'm content with what God's done. It's a satisfying. Many of you could testify. You've lived long enough. Man, God's been good, hasn't he? He's been good. And you know what would help that younger generation if the older generation and wherever, whatever older generation you can put yourself in? If we'd stop complaining, if I hadn't given all this to God, then we could. And please, 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 if God impresses upon you to give to a building program or something, don't go home to your kids. We can't have a vacation because the pastor is having an offering. Please don't say that. Uh, You know, it's a great thing to serve the Lord. It's a great thing to just be satisfied with Him. And if we're not satisfied with God, it's because we're not spending time with God. Because if you spend time with God, you'll be satisfied with Him. You'll be satisfied with His ways, with His Word. You have to trust Him. A good man. What a thought. What, what, that's certainly something to aspire to. Not... You know, I want people to think well of me. I want, I, want, I want my family to think well of me. I want you to think well of me. I want those that work with me to think well of me. But it should not be my desire. That should not be the driving force in my life. The driving force ought to be is I want my God to think well of me. He sees my faults. He sees my faults. He knows my failures. He knows my heart. He knows all there is about me. 
And for him to show me any favor, it's going to be because I, I truly live every day what's going to please my God today. You know, not every relationship, and I do look forward to at some point doing a Bible study on, on, on the different relationships. But not every relationship is easy. Some relationships are hard. And some, some of them are hard with people you love. It's hard to have a relationship with somebody who treats you wrong. But think of this next time there's somebody you have a relationship with that treats you wrong. I believe that God pays special attention to how we react or how we treat that person that treats us wrong. We don't think that way, do we? We think if we, if we don't look like this with the world or this with the world, then all that's important. But I want to remind you that those that spit in Jesus' face, those that beat him with a cat of nine tails and nailed him to a cross, those who he's carried in their sin day, he said, Father, forgive them. So God is interested. Well, I, I checked all of the, the fundamental boxes. Good. But how you treat somebody, your grace, your justice, your mercy, your uh, obedience to this book is whether or not God's going to show us favor and consider us a good man. You know, the truth of the matter is, a good man can't be convinced they're a good man. Because when we spend time with God, all we see is our flaws. All we see is our failures. I'll use this and we'll be done. You know, you, you're going shopping and you see something, uh, a shirt or something, you're like, man, that looks good. Man, that's going to look good on me. And then you put it on and look in the mirror and you're like, well, that looked better on the hanger than it looked on me. That's kind of how we are. Man, that's that I'm doing good. I look good. I, I, I mean, I've got everything together until you enter into his presence. And you're like, no. That looked better in theory. That looked better up here than it does in reality when I compare myself to God. Let's spend time with the Lord. Let's get up tomorrow. How am I going to please God? If we please God, we'll please more people in our relationships. And if we're truly pleasing God and there's somebody we can't please in a relationship, we have to please God instead of that person in that relationship. A good man. Father, I pray that you would use the principles we see tonight.